2: Hey everyone, and welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Shanko.
1: And I'm Psyche88. And as a special Patrons episode, we are joined tonight by Penguin Ninja. Say hello, Penguin. Hey
0: everyone.
2: And it's good to be back with Penguin for yet another amazing Patron episode. This one is really kind of that culminating movie at the end of this long journey that we've been on. And of course, we're coming back to our favorite Wall crawling web slinging guy Spider Man with Spider Man Far From Home.
1: Yeah. Uh, we are definitely, I like this movie is in a weird spot because it doesn't start anything new. Uh, I kind of call it an epilogue ending to phase three, really. And that's kind of what it is. It's, it's all about legacy. It's all about, it's a Spider Man story, but it's all about Stark. It's weird.
2: Yeah. And, It does find itself in that weird spot. It's a well-done film in places and hits home where it needs to. But before we can talk about all that, I think, of course, we need our spoiler warning. So, Genesis? If you're
1: looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies. You are in the wrong place. Thank you, Jan. So yeah, uh, go ahead and let's dive right into uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, the globe-trotting adventure
2: movie that totally doesn't line up with Spider-Man. On we go. Well, we're in Mexico, and Nick Fury and Maria Hill are investigating this crazy out-of-nowhere storm and encounter an elemental. This guy that basically looks like the thing on steroids ripping through the desert in Mexico, and this new superhero played by Jake Jigen Jugan Jillian aka Quentin Beck and he swoops in, defeats the creature, and Nick Fury and Hill are like, yeah, we need we need someone like him, recruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know nothing about this random guy, but boy, he's so strong and he's quite charming. We like this guy. Yeah. A fa- lot of faith in him right off rip for some people that aren't supposed to trust anyone,
1: right? Yeah, no, like, this is where, unfortunately, I feel like the movie already falls flat because you're supposed to have top secret super spies, Fury and Hill, and it takes one battle to, like, win them over. I don't know. What do you, what do you feel about this penguin? How did you feel about it when when they did that?
0: Yeah, I I thought it was very strange, especially for Nick Fury, to just trust this random person that comes out of nowhere in a superhero costume and says, Hey, I'm here to help. That's That's extremely out of character for Fury.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we have to get to our title hero eventually, so... Back in New York City, um, the blip caused all kinds of problems. One of them being, uh, you know, what to do with all Mass the students. displacement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what to do with all the students who didn't, you know, who disappeared in this time. So what what is Parker up to?
2: Well, Peter really just is dealing with a lot of emotional Problems and, and the fallout from the events of the prior film, the death of Nick or the death of Tony Stark. And he's just, we get all this news about the blip and where the students have been in the form of a very comedic high school, low production news report. Uh, yeah. That and, thing. And, and I guess it does get the point across that we are very much back in reality, even though we are in the world of Spider Man. And it's explained that they re- all of the students that got blipped reappear, but they haven't aged a day since the day they blipped. Uh, they get undusted and have to go about life now with their student body that isn't really theirs anymore, but also kind of is. And there's a lot of weird situational things that happen, like being able to drink, but not actually being 21 and all that. <laughs> craziness but they're getting ready to go on the senior trip right? i think this is the plot of every coming of age story right you go on your life-changing european journey all a euro trip
1: (laughs) yeah my european trip had absolutely nothing look like a euro trip like at all (laughs) penguin how about you did you get one
2: yeah i did i did 17 days in europe and they decided it was a good idea to drop a bunch of high school students in Amsterdam day one. Do with that information what you will. I
0: know exactly where that went.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but Peter, while he's going through all of his mourning process, also has a Weedle crush. But not on the girl that he went out to homecoming with, whose dad is a big bad supervillain.
1: <laughs> I think she's gone.
2: Yeah, she's gone. They moved she moved away. And right. and Peter's moved on to this really smart chick that kinda hangs out with him and his friend and thinks that they're weird, but that's okay. Cause they're accepting their weirdness. Happy informs Peter that he's gonna get a little phone call from Nick Fury, and Peter just says, nope, hangs up. This kid who was dying to be on the Avengers, who turned it down, who had to go to space and fight aliens who got dusted. Yeah, he just he's ready to just be a normal teenager, go on his European trip. And you know what? After all the crazy stuff that's happened, I don't know that I blame him.
1: Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, he he had a uh, not even near-death experience. He had a death experience and was lucky enough to be brought back. And he was lucky enough to be brought back with several of his friends. Uh, you know, I cannot say that any of us would ever be so lucky. So
2: yeah, he tells Fury basically to shove it. And he goes on his trip. They travel to Venice, beautiful city on the canals, but canals mean water. And water means our next elemental, because where else would the water elemental appear? But coincidentally, in the city where Peter is going, and he's not Spider-Man, but Spider-Man always coincidentally appears wherever Peter Parker does. I don't think it's Ned in the suit.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, Penguin, how, how do you feel about the levels of writing contriveness that has to be going on here?
0: Well, I, I, I can't say I'm surprised that MJ figured it out as quickly as she did. I'm honestly surprised more people hadn't figured it out at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh yes yeah, so we've got this water elemental why uh, why beck is there is unclear um but fury's also there and he's there to give him stark's glasses which are supposed to be meant for his successor uh i
2: feel like though, listen those are the ugliest glasses on the planet you can't pull those off unless you're tony stark and to give them to nerdy peter parker That's just, like, kind of mean.
1: I feel like it's a slap in the face to Rhodey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, not my best friend who's had my back and probably talked me out of being charged with war crimes. Um, No, I'm going to give it to the 18-year-old kid that I met after I dragged him into a superhero war. Because I'm responsible. Tony, Uh, no. Tony, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Tony and responsible. There's two words that are not ever in the same sentence, uh, unless they're in a negative fashion.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Peter talks to Edith, the AI and that's imbued in these glasses, and it tells him that he's now in charge of all kinds of crazy gadgets, like an orbital weapons supply. And meanwhile, Peter's grappling with the idea of becoming Tony Stark's successor while also really just wanting to enjoy his trip with his friends and uh, Beck swoops in with his new like superhero dad act they tried to work this mentor angle and I get it he is a sleazy bad guy but it was a little heavy handed if you ask me I don't know what do you think Penguin?
0: I think as far as Peter getting glasses goes in in the end I think it was the right choice but um... I think it was just giving him a lot of responsibility all at once, and for for a kid that already has quite a lot going on for him, I I don't know if maybe you wanted to give him such a big thing so so soon after Tony's death.
1: Mm, no, that's a fair point. Also, because as we learn later, he actually hasn't learned the whole you know great. Resp- great power great responsibility bit yet so you've just handed an 18 year old basically the keys to the kingdom and said have a good time and here's a here's a shady new mentor for you he's totally legit because we totally did a background check on his claim of being from an alternate dimension
2: Uh, It's not like we've already established that this universe has facial recognition technology that they could just kind of like scan him with and be like, oh, hey, you used to work with Tony Stark. And hey, weren't you, didn't you get fired because you got pissed off about some stuff? But uh, we don't know that yet. Peter doesn't want to go and continue fighting these elementals. He doesn't care about Beck's sob story, and he just wants to go on his class trip. So he returns to the trip. Because Nick Fury has to have his little fingies and everything. The trip magically gets diverted to Prague where said Fire Elemental is going to appear. Because Which makes of course. No sense.
1: It just doesn't make any sense why like
2: let me tell you let me tell you how these Europe trips work, right? If you want to make a diversion for like an hour, you gotta call like ten people. You mean <laughs> to tell me? I mean I get it, Nick Fury's like the spy of spies, right? But that's a bit far-fetched, like he diverts a whole class of high schoolers to a whole different country than where they were supposed to go to get one kid where he needs to be to fight these things that he wants nothing to do. You've got the, the dude that with the blowing ball on his head, and he's doing a great job. Just, just throw him at it, let the teenager be a teenager, but no, also- send him to Prague.
1: If I may say, Prague doesn't make exactly a whole lot of sense to me for fire elemental. It doesn't exactly scream, you know, heat or or whatever. Like Venice, water makes sense. New Mexico, Mexico, wherever we were, Earth elemental, perfect. Like those things made sense. but like, pr- well, Do you
2: want them to like? Do you want them to like reburn the Library of Alexandria or something? Like, I mean, like, like,
1: <laughs> like li- Libya would have made
2: more sense, and is. Probably, just as far as Prague was, <laughs> I think we're staying in like Europe, Europe, so maybe like France, and they could go back to like they could do a reenactment of the final act of the hunchback of Notre Dame, ah, uh, okay, city of Pachon, right, oh my God, your French accent <laughs>
0: even could have stayed in Italy, just went to Pompeii,
1: oh, Oof. there you go, there we go. I didn't even think about Pompeii, perfect. But no, we go to Prague.
2: We're in Prague. (laughs) And Peter is kind of forced into a battle with the fire elemental in order to protect the safety of his friends and his girl crush. And Beck manages to destroy it. Fury and Hill then want them to go to Berlin in order to discuss a new superhero team, you know, starring the Night Monkey and Mysterio. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I did like his stealth suit in this one. I did think that was pretty cool, but...
2: I did, too. Uh, But Peter says no. I I think my new buddy here should go alone. And, I mean, I get it. He's playing the mentor angle, but Peter, come on. You just met this guy, and you're like, no, no, no. You should be in control of all of this. Maybe not, like, call up your buddy Happy and say, hey, hold on to these, or uh, that CEO of Stark Industries, Pepper Potts, like, or, like, Rhodey, this guy that you're supposed to trust that you've actually worked with a couple of times? No?
1: Yeah, okay, so this one, this one was, uh, it's the character holding the stupid ball moment, right? Um, Parker has to do something incredibly stupid for the plot to make sense, and it is trust Beck. Trust a man that he has just met with a gift that was basically from the man who considered himself Peter's mentor. And it'd be like if I just handed... I can't even... I don't have something of, of equivalent. If I just handed my comic book collection to one of my co-workers, okay? That's that's this level of, of stupid. And Penguin, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
0: I, I really didn't quite understand the reasoning with giving the glasses to Mysterio. It it more felt like Peter just wanted to get the pressure off of him more than anything, really.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He just He's 18, he's tired of it, he died, he came back, he doesn't want to do it anymore, leave him the hell alone. So he does.
2: Yeah. And due to this, uh Peter continues on to his class trip and unfortunately put his faith in the wrong man because it it all devolves pretty quickly. We learn pretty much immediately after he cedes control to Beck that, uh, yeah, he's definitely not who everyone thinks he is. And he's got a whole pack of cronies who are former Stark Industries employees. And... The reason he's been able to fake all of this is because of his specialty in projections to simulate power. Regardless, Peter wants to take the moment now that he's going to be back on his trip to tell MJ how he feels, but in the process of tripping over his own words, she guesses that he's Spider-Man and guess correctly she did. Because Peter's doing a terrible job, let's be real. Keeping his identity <laughs> secret. I I mean, he's eighteen. He's eighteen.
1: There's terrible job of keeping your secret, and then there is just literally leaving out clues. Like uh, he he's just he's just they they did this so heavy handed in this movie of just being like, yeah, Parker is just so bad at keeping the secret. It's amazing he kept it as long as he did, which. Is so stunning because he keeps it for as long as he did because he knew how to keep his mouth shut, but he doesn't know how to do that in this movie.
2: Mm. And while they're having their little moment of establishing if they're going to be a couple or the secret identity, a deeper friendship, whatever, they discover that this piece of debris they retrieved during the battle with the fire elemental is a projector, and it plays a small segment of the air elemental performing the attack, and they realize, because they are some of the smartest teenagers on the planet, they go to special school with way too many words in its name. So that's how you know it's good. Uh, They figure out Beck's deception pretty quickly. And Peter decides to take responsibility because he knows that he fumbled big time because the guy who can deceive everyone with these illusions now has access to all of the weapons that Stark has in orbit. Yikes. So they're going to Berlin, even though Peter didn't want to go to Berlin. They're going to Berlin. And when he shows up, he wants to warn Fury, but it's not Fury. It's Beck wearing his crazy helmet and using projections to fool him. And somehow Peter's little spider sense doesn't tick over to let him know that there's something going on uh, and he accidentally reveals the names of his friends who he shared this information with That he knows that beck is a traitor and an illusionist oopsie he has not quite let go of that stupid ball yet no no he hasn't
1: (laughs) that's exactly the point i was gonna make here (sighs) like i get it a Spider-Man movie has Parker being the everyman, he makes mistakes, but there are making mistakes that uh, that make sense, and then there are making mistakes because it's the only way the plot moves forward. This is the latter, not the former.
2: Mm-hmm. And while he's believing that he's speaking to Fury, he doesn't realize that he's being lured onto train tracks. And again his spidey sense doesn't quite take over in time for him to not get hit by the train those stupid bugs
1: penguin what are your thoughts on this whole bit i
0: really liked the fight and the illusions that he had with mysterio i thought all of that was really cool and looked really good i i i thought that at this point he'd maybe have wisened up a little to not just go Throwing his friends' names around while he is in his costume, <laughs> but right, you know, yeah, and, yep, yeah. yeah and the no. the the train bit, I I could understand how maybe guess there have been instances Spider Man's spidey senses not working, but how do you not hear the train?
2: <laughs> right, like, right, yes, <sighs> yeah, because the illusions are happening within real space. That there has to be um you, like you can't change a physical barrier you can still sense it and feel it in your environment but he doesn't quite have a handle on how to do that yet um so beck thinks okay i squished the bug let's just peel out but peter is alive and he contacts happy who flies him to london where the rest of his classmates are but beck's got a big bad evil plan He's going to make this illusion of an of all the elementals fused together to use as a cover to kill all of Peter's classmates because some of them know something they shouldn't and Peter went and spilled all of the beans and he's going to the home of Beans on Toast to right his wrongs.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this was a pretty... Interesting fight, very CG. I mean, it's, it's a it's Spider-Man fight. Big,
2: it's a big expensive CGI fight. Yeah. And I didn't hate it. I, I, I agree with Penguin here where it was exciting to watch him fighting in CG. And I think the, the coolest thing for me, at least, as someone who trains in martial arts, is the awareness of environment. Because one of the things you always experience is kind of a narrowing of your vision and figuring out what your space is, and it was cool to see him adapting in the moment to sense what was actually happening rather than what he was seeing, and trusting, more or less, just leaning into his spidey sense.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, eventually, Parker gets re-control of Edith so that he can stop the elemental illusion all of that, and he manages to uh, defeat Beck here, who. In a, I guess it's his turn. I guess to hold the stupid ball. Is this really how that how we're going to do this?
2: Yeah, they're just passing the stupid.
1: Yeah, he um, uh he dies from a misfired gunshot. Uh, but hey, get all my data before I like it. I don't know
2: movie plot conveniences. Yeah, what do you think of the climactic ending here, Penguin?
0: Thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny, honestly. How Beck despite the despite you telling him we are too close to you we don't want to shoot at him he tells them to shoot anyway and you know he 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 gets that instant karma <laughs> yeah yeah he does
2: well we quickly find out that there was something that happened before he bites the bullet oh um, <laughs> because Did our guy get to seal the deal with a relationship with our fabulous MJ? Yes. Does his whole world come crashing down around him very shortly thereafter? Also, yes, because who comes back but our guy J. Jonah Jameson with the Daily Bugle broadcasting some very specific and doctored footage of the incident in London where Quentin Beck in his dying throes, frame Spider-Man for the entire attack, as well as his subsequent death, and revealing Peter's secret identity to the entire world, because we're all far too stupid to have already figured it out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, we give Thor crap, because he wasn't even king of Asgard long enough to save his his people from the end of the movie to uh, the mid credit scene. Parker has about that same amount of time to enjoy having a girlfriend and be Spider-Man before it is all over. But hey, we got uh, uh, J.K. Simmons back as J. Joe Jameson, which was a treat. And the first, I believe, he was the first non-MCU actor to make the jump over to the MCU as the same character. I could be wrong. I'm sure someone on the internet will let me know.
2: But if anyone but J.K. Simmons came in to play J. Jonah Jameson, I think the entire internet would riot.
1: What do you think, Penguin? Was there another actor out there for J. Jonah Jameson? He, he was.
0: He was just so good at it. Just the his voice and like his cadence is. It, it's perfect for J. Jonah Jameson.
1: No, that's true. Uh, he really does nail it.
2: And because we have to remember that we are in a universe that connects with all the other films, in a post credit scene, we've got Fury and Maria Hill driving in a car, and they're turning green, but not because they're carsick.
1: No. Turns out the reason why Fury and Hill weren't particularly super spy enough is because they are Talos and Sorin, who are pretending to be the two of them while... Fury is sitting around in his space station because, uh, as Secret Invasion goes through, uh, he needed some space.
2: And space he got.
1: Yes. Yes, he did. I don't really know how I felt about it being Talos and Soren the whole time, because, especially now, it meant that the movie that probably featured Hill the most wasn't even Hill, which is kind of frustrating.
2: Yeah, and I like- MCU Maria Hill. I think other than that, the best we got to see out of her was Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and she had like a whole five scenes in that.
1: Yes, yes. But that's that's kind of it. Um, I guess thoughts we'll go around the table. Uh, Penguin. Like overall, what was like Spider Man: Far From Home? Where does that sit with you?
0: I did really enjoy it. it. It it is a good movie. It the three Tom Holland Spider Man movies. It is my least favorite. But that is because Homecoming is really good, and No Way Home is just ninety percent fan service, and it's hard to compete with that. But overall, it it was it was good. It was it was a fun movie.
1: Yeah, I I can I can see that. What about you, Shenko?
2: I think this was an extended conclusion to the end of the Infinity Saga, and I think that a lot of the exposition that happened here, especially with the Ending of Tony Stark and naming his successor. I think that's all important. I'm I know they didn't want to stretch out a ton of stuff at the end of Endgame, because we already had to wade through like almost a three-hour movie for that. Um, but I agree with you that it's a bit weird that this is a Spider-Man title, but it deals with the fallout of Tony Stark's decisions. It's like, all right, the guy already had his his overarching story. He had a, his his beginning, his middle, his end, his conclusion. We have laid him to rest. And I know this is about legacy, but he left a lot more legacy than just making mistakes. Because he's died now. He's atoned for those mistakes. Yeah. I don't know that I would have named an 18-year-old that he met canonically, like, a year ago. Like, Homie was dead longer than Tony knew him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah
2: and he's just oh yeah this kid is is my successor over the no offense the other qualified individuals to do it or at least put a caveat on it say hey let this kid get through college and then and mature a little bit as a superhero and then and then give him the glasses in the meantime my very responsible wife will take care of the glasses
1: <laughs> right yeah my you know the the woman I have left control of basically everything even when I was alive to, uh, she should definitely not have control of the, you know, orbital super weapon. Uh, never mind my best friend, a you know, lieutenant colonel in the air force, and I totally just, you know, trusted him with a, you know, entire suit of armor all to himself that he got to, you know, deck out. Nah, nah. Not those guys. Not my most loyal friend.
2: Ugh. I could even see him leaving it with like Falcon or or like I know he and Nick Fury have their problems, but hey, Fury. Well, I mean, he
1: sort of he left it to Fury, and then Fury left it to Talos, and that's the real problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of stupid balls got passed, and it ended up with with um with the uh, Peter and Beck just uh, not quite knowing who should hold it at the end. Yeah. Well but there are worse places to be than this film. I, I rag I'm ragging on it. But if realistically, in the grand scheme of the MCU, there are worse places to be than here. The Spider-Man trilogy reasonably did well. They were fun films. They
1: yes. I, this is a... F- I, I feel like I'm gonna get crap for this one, but it's okay. It's a fun filler movie because that's it's not sort of what an epilogue is supposed to do, but that's that's sort of what this is. It's it's just there to tack on the end of Stark's Story. And I
2: feel like they this is like endgame 2.0, but we shot it over the shoulder of Peter Parker.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's enough on that. Uh, we have a bit mid break, we have some patrons to thank, and a big announcement at the end, so stay tuned. welcome to the mid break we'd like to thank everyone that has stuck with us this long and are part of the patreon big shout out goes to penguin ninja at our superhero tier you too can join in on the fun by joining the link in the episode description
2: uh and if you can't support us financially you can always drop us a review on apple or a rating on spotify any five star views will get read right out on this part of the show we don't have one at this time guys slacking on us show us some love drop those five-star reviews you only have to listen to one episode in order to leave one on spotify we want to hear from you
1: and if you just want to talk with us directly you can always hit us up on twitter instagram facebook and or the robots radio discord where we have a channel specifically for the show link for the discord will also be in the show description and speaking of shows on the robots tell us about the fight space Shenko.
2: Well, if you're not tired of hearing from me yet, I also host a little show called The Fight Space. It's one of the only female-led martial arts shows out there where I discuss the deep roots of martial arts in modern media, cover historical superfights and break down fight scenes in film, as well as share news from the fighting community. I recently traveled to Tampa to do cage interviews Joe Rogan style for World Class Fight League. The live stream videos for those fights are available on the WCFL Facebook page, so if you want to hear my in the Cage interviews, on the spot. Go check that out. WCFL puts on a great show. Where else can they find you, psyche
1: You can find me on the Mass Effect Blue Shift tabletop RPG podcast that uses the Fate system. Uh, we play Citadel security agents solving crime on the Citadel. I play dashing human agent Jack Parizzo. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Episodes drop monthly on the first Friday of the month, which at the time of this recording has just happened. So you are listening to our new case as we hunt down a couple of convenience store murderers. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Outside of the Robots Network, I've joined Scyther Audio to create the Avengers audio drama, which is a spinoff of their amazing X-Men audio drama series. Uh, It's a years-long project. I'm the writer, the director, the casting director, and the audio engineer for this one. And guys, if you've ever tried to build your own sound library from scratch, it's a lot. Also, I'll be making my debut as a voice actor playing the Hulk. Uh, First episode goes live in September to coincide with the 60th anniversary of the first Avengers comic. If you have any more questions or want to audition for the multitude of characters available, please email Avenger Audio Drama, all one word, at gmail.com. And that will be it for our mid-break. Alright, I know you guys can see the show notes, but this, this one only has one character that I need to actually introduce. It seems- it's. I think that's a new low for us. I, yeah? I know I had the man,
2: two. The man, the myth himself. Jake, Jake, Jogan, Jogan, Jarhead, Gyllenhaal.
1: Wow. Are you- <laughs> how- I am curious to see how much further you can- butcher his name but at the same time i don't want to get that far into it
2: (laughs) i can keep going don't let me (laughs) anyway
1: yes uh i have one character quentin beck mysterio introduced in the amazing spider-man number 13 in june 1964 by stan lee and steve dicko he's an illusionist special effects guru and actor uh but he turned to crime when those careers sort of dead ended on him He was a founding member of the Sinister Six. Uh, Over time, he evolved into also a major villain for Daredevil, which I don't exactly know how that works, but whatever. Uh, Just like the Kingpin had done before him. Uh, And at the end of the Guardian Devil story, uh, which during that time, Beck was trying to drive Murdoch mad. uh, He was being a really horrible person, but... Once he came around, Daredevil just basically tore into him and Beck realized that he was at the end of everything and he took his own life for real. Because I mean he's been he's faked his death before, but this one was for real this time, which is kind of sort of what not sort of what happened. He he died of a gunshot wound in the head that he self inflicted on, uh which is not what happened in the movie, but that is definitely an homage. However, of course, because we live Er, While we live in the real world, Marvel has all kinds of afterlives and devils and everyone's scheming to do stuff. And naturally, once Beck's soul was up for grabs, uh, he was put to work and he was later resurrected. Uh, Things get really convoluted after that, and he's still kind of kicking around somewhere. While he was dead, the mantle of Mysterio was taken up twice by Daniel Burkhart and Francis Klum. Uh, Burkhart is considered missing in action. He just disappeared after uh, after an issue. And Klum is dead. So uh, it would not be a wise career choice, I feel like, to be Mysterio. Yeah? I think I feel like that's a safe thing to say here.
2: Sounds hazardous to one's health.
0: Yeah, I think I, think I know why Beck hasn't put the fishbowl back
1: on. Other than the fact it looks utterly ridiculous, yes
2: <laughs> wait you don't you don't want to put a smoke filled fishbowl on top of your head and wear a cape and fly around
1: I mean the flying around part sounds awesome, looking like a total dork while
2: doing it, less so that's fair anyway um so that's kinda it. Well, what what do you guys think about the chemistry in this film? Because I think that's one of the things that the Spider-Man trilogy with Tom Holland has always done well, is the chemistry between characters. And um, just give me a little bit about how you felt about those. Because, I, I mean, as much as I, I enjoy butchering Jake Gyllenhaal's name, I think he and Tom Holland had a really great on-screen chemistry. And I've always thought that Tom Holland and Zendaya had great chemistry on screen as well. and they dated so i guess that's real too <laughs> aren't they still dating i think so
1: okay that's good so yeah that chemistry is i mean chemistry has always been a very big part of the spider-man because spider-man is supposed to be the everyday hero he's the everyman so his re his relationships with the people around him are very important even if they are strained because he lives the double life and I, the chemistry here between Holland and everybody still is really good. what do you say, penguin?
0: I really liked the chemistry between uh Peter and happy while well, they were in the jet after he was picked up and happy hits the a c d c and Peter starts working on his new suit. I thought that was i thought that was really nice that that was a really nice scene,
1: yeah, yeah definitely um. It's got that homage to to Stark as well, because Stark would turn on loud ACD music and, and go to work all the time. So it showed also Parker's, even if he didn't want to be, the, the legacy that he supposedly is supposed to be picking up here. <laughs> I did think the relationship that was brewing between Happy and Aunt May was completely out of left field, and... Honestly, more of the, one of the more welcome ideas for, you know, a new take on this sort of thing. What do you guys think?
0: It's definitely interesting. I, especially when you see where that goes. It's definitely very interesting.
2: I, I just don't appreciate that they dropped us in the, like, end of their kind of deal. It's like, let me, let me see more. I wanted more. Mm. Um, because it's like, oh, hey, we're dating. No lead up. No surprise. Um, it's just here. I'm happy for them. That's not even a joke. Like, I wanted to see that work out because Happy doesn't have anyone for himself now. He's always got to be helping other people. He's, he went from chasing around Tony with a briefcase to now having to wrangle Peter, who doesn't really want to be a superhero. Just let him have a girlfriend.
1: No, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of agree. Um, I mean, I can't like at the end of Endgame, you got the feeling that Happy was going to be just around to help out Pepper with with Morgan. So it was interesting that they also then pulled him over for Spider-Man. But at the same time, Happy was a fairly large part of Spider-Man and still was. It's very interesting how so much of Iron Man got shifted into the Spider-Man mythos for these movies because of the of the connection between Parker and Stark.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. Obviously, we yeah. have we have more Spider-Man to get to. This is only the middle film, but where do you think this um this set us up? Do you think it just more or less concluded where we were at the end of Endgame or set up anything new? I mean, we Yeah. Did, we did the Marvel thing where we toasted our villain at the end, so.
1: Right. <laughs> um I mean, if you had told me that they were going to do basically one more day but better uh out of this I mean I guess I wasn't surprised when I heard it but at the same time it would it wasn't where I would have thought they would have gone and it definitely ties up some stuff and of course sets up at least one thing of the scrolls being on earth because the scrolls aren't supposed to be here they're supposed to be on their home world, or new home world somewhere that uh, Danvers found for them, obviously that didn't happen. Do you have any closing thoughts on this one, Penguin? No,
0: not really. I think we just about covered everything that I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I'm good.
2: Okay. Well, we thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the MCU Lorecast, and as we mentioned in the first part of the show, we do have a pretty big announcement to make as far as the future goes for this show. So, Psych and I wanted to let everyone know we're not going anywhere just yet. First and foremost, we'd like to thank everyone that's helped us along on this journey. Penguin for joining us as our patron to come onto the chats with us. N7 Legend, Genesis and Rivada, and Tom for helping us along the way on this crazy podcast journey. But all journeys have to come to an end at some point. We're not leaving forever, but we are changing course, and we're going independent. The MCU Lorecast episodes that everyone has shown love to listen to, um, they're going to start being uploaded to YouTube, so those will be available for you to listen once we're no longer hosted with robots. Um, And after that, you're welcome to follow us on our new platforms. The name's staying the same. All the social medias are staying the same. We're going to be active with you guys. On all of those avenues, but we feel in order to grow, we have to make a change.
1: yeah, we just kind of we kind of hit the a glass ceiling here, so we felt like we, it was time to try something new. We will be taking the month of August off, uh, but during which time the episodes will be available as they are. The hiatus might go through September. We're not a hundred percent certain yet, but we will definitely be back before the end of the year with all new content uh, related, starting with the television show series in the MCU. So we'll be kicking that off with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. But we needed we needed some time to kind of figure some stuff out. And so we'll be taking that down time to do that. Again, uh, it's a massive thank you. We couldn't have gotten where we are without all of you. And we are very appreciative of it.
2: And with that, all I have to say is night, everyone.
1: As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robot Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast, for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend, for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend, for the outstanding music our significant others, for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote "Stand the Man, Enough said.